right. Welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast. I am Aaron Vanderveen. I am the campus pastor at Watershed. Next to me, as always, I have. <laughs> is I'm Pastor Bill, Bill Linder at Celebration. And Pastor JB, campus pastor Fusion. And Darwin Glassford, the executive pastor here at Hardwick Ministries. Woo woo. Bow, bow. <laughs> All right. So uh you ready for a fun one today? Sure. <laughs> we prepped yeah. we prepped everyone for this. Right. Uh, <laughs> Today we're diving into a conversation uh, that's just initiated and and sparked from the book "Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk." Uh, I just love the title. I, yeah, you didn't pick that <laughs> yeah. for me. This is not a message, is it? My, my daughter, on, who's nine, Uh-oh. read the title and thought that was really funny. So. Oh, right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Gotta love that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the book's by Eugene Cho. Um, I know when I I came across it. I don't, man, there's probably a few years back already. Um, and yeah, just, I think for me, I just got really bothered in how people had political conversations, um, and especially Christians, um, that, you know, families were being divided, um, and as Christians, right? Uh, the yeah. world, like I, this today, I think for me, it's really important to go, okay, hey, how the world does things, I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's often um, the case. But, you know, looking at my own family, looking at other, you know, like, wait a second, we have Christ that brings us together. Yeah, and you're talking about the manner in which these conversations go on. That's what was disturbing to you, and boy, do exactly. I understand that. And that's, that was initially where that title sure. was like, okay, I've got to read this <laughs> book. Um, and maybe it's because my kids know I use jerk one too many times Uh-oh. in sentences. or <laughs> More about posture than position. Yeah, that's, that's become a real helpful picture for me, yeah. JB, that language. Well, and I think, JB, you're touching on something that we – I think around here at Hardaway are really trying to stay focused on, right, is posture. Posture more than position um, and how we treat others. I mean, it's it's certainly something, as we were talking just pre-show of, you know, the decision on Roe v. Wade, the CRC Synod, RCA Synod, EPC, you had a, Our a General Assembly. Yeah, yeah it was. was yeah. Um, we have midterm elections. You know, like, I, I mean, it's just how do we navigate all of this? Right. Right. And we are definitely not always going to agree, but how we go about living together, disagreeing, agreeing with one another, our posture. And it's huge. Sure. Well, it is. It is. And I think it comes back to um, something we've talked about many times on this podcast, that um, if our identity is found in Christ, how do we care well for people? Yeah. Right. And and I think that's a a question that when we get into political discourse sometimes, um, it, it regresses to who's right and who's wrong rather than how do I care well for a person in the midst of this discourse. And if we, if we come into it with that question and with that posture of caring well, sure. um, I think then it shapes the kind of questions we ask and it shapes how we listen to other people and, and our ability to, to empathize, even though we may not agree, to empathize with their position and why they've arrived there. Yeah. Or connect with them. I know I've yeah. been guilty of I may have a posture of such self-righteousness that my position on humility 
really gets compromised. Right. You know, you 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 lose the the content of the position uh, because of the delivery or the posture in which we do it. And getting those two things together has been a real key challenge for me. Yeah. I was just thinking, reflecting on that too, like. Our a posture that we're that we're striving for really comes out of a confidence in who we are. Right, in Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can be patient. You can listen if if you're confident. You're not shaking. Right. Uh, an anxious, reactionary posture stems in my. I think often from a, you know, there's a yeah, there's, there's a, an yeah. In, insecurity. Yeah. I'm I'm secure in Christ, for example. And my winning or losing an argument doesn't affect that. I, I'm right. loved by Jesus whether I win or not. I don't have to. Right. I, uh, but, I, but I think part of, the challenge, but part of the challenge there is is that in, in our contemporary setting that that posture looks weak. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it looks noncommittal. It, it, it. People don't know how to make sense out of it, I think is a good way to put it. Sure. Um, because it's about caring for the person and not the issue. Right. Right. And yeah. currently, that's not the strategy to win. Right. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because winning is everything. And the idea that some guy gets dragged off and nailed to a cross, you know, that's obviously a loss. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. definitely a loss. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, but I think it goes back. I mean, I think one of the things that I appreciate about this book is I, as I was reading through it, is is reflecting on how <clears throat> how all some of this came to be, and, and some sure. of the, the early um, organizations within the Christian tradition that began to advocate a certain to be Christian was to advocate for a certain political perspective, mm-hmm. and certain um, and at one point, sorry to say, there were like almost like litmus tests. If you didn't hold this, then you weren't a viable candidate, um, which I think is actually crazy that we went there <laughs> um, because really every political candidate um, holds a variety of positions, some of which I agree with and some of which I don't. And and I have to weigh those things out proportionally. Sure. And, and have to engage in because living in community involves give and take. Yeah. So, yeah. thou shall not be a jerk is about politics. Yeah. And a uh, question for go. us today is, so as a Christian, why do politics matter? Why does politics matter? And why do we need to involve ourselves in politics or maybe not? Um, so, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, why do politics matter and why, why as Christians should we be involved Sure. It's interesting the number of different answers to that that really are out there. From mm-hmm. one extreme, you'd say the Amish, for example, that we see completely out of the mix. Others mix it all together. I mean, the Church of England, the head of that church is the queen. Yep. And so Boyd puts all those things together. So there's a wide range of things out there. And I think Cho helps us in very practical ways sort through some of that, and particularly for what it should look like for us as we ponder it as Americans. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, as you say that the on the spectrum, it gets me thinking about Second Temple Judaism mm-hmm. and the different religious, Jewish religious sects from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes uh, to um, then the Zealots. I mean, you had a political spectrum. It's almost within... as, as if God has always functioned with a little more variety than one 
uh, approach to things. Yeah. I mean, throughout history. Yeah, my, my response is kind of simplistic. Um, I, I think it's, it's God's world, and therefore we, we want to be concerned. Sure. I think, second, we are citizens. We are participants in God's world, and mm-hmm. so we want to be invested. And third, we're to some degree committed to the common good, even sure. though we believe in the doctrine of sin and original depravity. And so, so as, we, as we enter into the discourse, though, that we, we realize that we're entering into both with those who share our, our kind of biblical and theological roots and those who don't. And, and so we're after what's good for all, sure. which means that that may cost us something in the process. So I can't demand um, a certain freedom as a Christian, and then, in within the common good, say to my other person who shares a different religious perspective or no religious perspective at all that you can't have that same freedom. Sure, what's good for one is good for good the for other. All. And so when there's rule of law. And so how do you how do you carry on within that rule of law? How do you carry on respectful discourse about? Deciding what is good for the common good. Sure. Um, as I was, oh, go I ahead. I mean to cut no, you off. No. Uh, when, as I was thinking about the original question, why do politics matter? Um, I'd say they do matter. Um, and because as Christians, we're called to love God and love our neighbor. And politics impact our neighbor. Sure. And politics impact people's yeah. lives. And so. Um, we're about people, you know. We're about loving people in this world, and so there's an intersection there. Sure, um, I wrestle with what that is, um, yeah, and that's sure. what this conversation yeah, is partly about. Out but, is is yeah. the conversation? Yeah, I'm thankful that a, a Christianity is a worldview that calls us into politics because it is yeah. our neighbor, but it also places politics as not ultimate, right? And that's a again, I think that's part of what we can contribute to the common good. You know, it, politics is not the final thing, and and Christianity helps me know that I want for the common good for there to be checks and balances, for example, right. because we're sinners. That's why that's part of our contribution to the common good is that awareness that we need accountability. Yeah, well, and I, that politics can't bring about the kingdom. It's sure. not going to bring about the perfect world. Sure. Perfect order. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it about participating in God's kingdom mm-hmm. will draw us to be involved in politics because of JB. Like you said, you know, I'll go simplistic right. as well, Darwin. Love my neighbor as right. myself, right? Um, however, I'm not bound by them. As much as we submit, and we're called biblically to submit to authorities, right. we're called biblically to pray for our leaders. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're we watch even Israel <laughs> um, in in Babylonian exile. Right? What is mm-hmm. God raises up even horrendous leaders yeah. for moments in seasons, and it's like, wait a second, I can't always understand and make sense of that, but. <laughs> Here I am, you know, here's, here's Daniel being involved in a foreign land, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you know. And they're, they're in the corrupt government. Right. But making a difference. They're not bound, right, in those moments when there's a confrontation. And so, yeah, it's, um, it really, um, I don't know how you're not political in some ways. Even when you're disassociating, you're making 
some sure. kind of stance. Yeah, uh, the Amish are a political statement, right? Yeah, about yeah, pulling yeah. out, for example. Yeah. So um, that kind of leads me to the importance of having a kingdom of God perspective as our foundation uh, to political engagement versus a party first foundation. Cause that's something Cho talks about a lot sure. is right. that it's important for us as Christians. I mean, this is his premise and you may disagree. Um, that's okay. But his premise for us um, is as Christians, we're called to kingdom of God first before political party. Sure. Um, so, do you agree with that? Why would you, you know if you do? Why would you agree with that? If you don't push back, what? Well, I think the values of the kingdom are what we're called to bring and to try to work those out in policy ways. But it's there's something higher than the compromise that becomes a part of politics. Okay, and getting it done and living as a community. Yeah, I, I think the challenge. I, I like where he goes, but I'm not totally convinced all the time in the sense that I, I think we're, we're called into an alternative community. And, and through that community, we are shaped by God's grace and take on the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, patience, those types of things. And it's that posture through which we engage these discussions. Mm-hmm. And, and – and so I, I want to come back a little bit more to a focus on the alternative. Uh, the church is a community that is, sh- that is shaping people, forming people. Um, and it's out of that, that formative process that we engage these discussions. Um, because I think the reality is, is that we are our people, I would say, and many people are not involved in communities that are shaping their posture. Sure. This is how you ought to engage. And and modeled out, we engage one another within the community in that way. Right. So I wanna I, I'm I'm less curious about a person's political position than I am why they hold it. Mm. Yep. When when they greet me with anger, <laughs> I, I'm more curious about why they're so angry. Right. Than I am actually with the position. In other words, who are we becoming? And if we don't understand that, then it seems to me that our our political discourse ends up where it often has, where it's it's incredibly black and white, incredibly simplistic. Um, you know, um, and full of catch terms. I mean, sure. We're entering into political. Um, and, season now. And as I read advertisements, I'm like, yeah, so, yeah, okay, I don't care. What do you mean by that? Right. You know, I, give me more than just a 30-second yeah. soundbite here. Um, when you're looking at the, at the issues um, that, that we're facing as a society and culture, help me understand. Don't give me a soundbite. I, um, I was struck, as you were just reading that question, just hearing it, um, a podcast I listened to that framed something that I found really helpful don't remember where it's from. Wait so a I second. Can... Another podcast? There's another one? Clearly, There's another one? Clearly an inferior podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joke. Posture. Uh, humility. Oh, right. Where's the last yeah, button? Yeah, Where's the yeah, last yeah. button? Yeah. Um, but I, but I can't – it was – they were talking about political parties and how originally the, the party is designed so that uh, those who are part of the party can speak into the platform – 
right. to influence the party's platform. And what we're seeing now is that it's the party that's influencing what the people, part of that party, believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we have a kingdom first, then we can speak into and actually influence um, political leaders versus them just telling us what we're supposed to think. Um, that's different. And and um, I don't know that I don't know that that was helpful for me to kind of just and reframe that because it seems like what we're seeing is okay. Well, tell me what I think. You know, tell yeah, him, tell me what right. I'm supposed to believe. Tell me what I'm where right. I'm supposed right. to land and, on politics. And that's I'm with you on that because that's that's kind of where I was coming from as I was thinking about that question is going. No, I come I come into this because we're going to come back to the posture piece mm-hmm. in relationships in just just a few minutes. Um, but coming in with a, an ideal, you know, what's our ideas, what's our, our theology, what's our ideology, you know, the kingdom of God shapes who I am. Right. And other people's ideology, being a Democrat or being a Republican, shapes who they are. Sure. And, and so as Christians, for me, it goes, wait a second. So do I let a party and a platform shape me? Which mm-hmm. I'm not, not. There's a good double negative, right? Um, I, I'm going to be influenced. Sure, um, sure. However, if I'm going to be in Christ, the person I'm becoming, that alternative community, you know, is it really for me? That's the rubber meets the road, right? Am I going to be grounded in Christ first, right? Mm-hmm. To then influence how I think about the different ideologies and engage them, right. and that will change who I'm becoming. Right. Um, or am I going to let the the party and the platform and in what our world has become? As you, I think you put it really well. Um. So, so squirrel, uh oh, squirrel. Because what <laughs> struck me, squirrel. <laughs> what, what struck me when you when you were saying that, JB, and and I think it's, it's incredibly fascinating, is that bureaucracy the the party was created to facilitate conversation and to develop a platform that everybody could give and take. Right. Okay. So so the development of the platform was not that everybody agreed with the platform, but everybody felt like they were heard and they contributed to some degree. Okay. Um, and then what, what you described was an incredible shift where the bureaucracy, rather than serving the community, actually begins to control the community and tell the community what it needs to think. And that anybody that doesn't agree with the bureaucracy is therefore out. You're out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and another podcast, yeah. maybe two, um, on just how bureaucracy functions. Because yeah. yeah. it's hard to, yeah. to create a bureaucracy that continues to facilitate discussion in this climate. Yeah, the organization meant to, uh, to pull off the mission right. begins to – Change the mission. Yeah, begins the organization to be, and yeah. the mission, and then changed. the mission becomes about self-preservation yeah. of the organization itself, and people's concern becomes about keeping their jobs. Right. Yeah. Okay. Squirrel. Back. Well, up. and even his, <laughs> historically <laughs> in the United States, you have the House and the Senate. Why? Well, guess what? They represent different people groups right. within the country, just like Republican Democrat. Right. Sure. They represent different people. It was meant to represent different people groups and bring those different ideals and ideas to the table. Right. Why? For compromise, to, to work it out together, right. <laughs> not to go to war together. Right. 
Um, so what um, kind of as we we look at that kingdom perspective, I want to jump into to especially with the ideology. How can a kingdom? Because this is a fun one. How can a kingdom perspective? Leads you to both be too liberal in one moment and too conser- both and too conservative as well. How could a kingdom perspective possibly do that? Because you're defining yourself and taking your issues and your priorities from a different reference point, okay, than one or the other. You're you're using a different north star. Yep. As it were, as you navigate through the issues of life. And there's folks who've really, I think, done that well in in challenging ways. Um, But it's a different reference point. I I thought thought about that question. Yeah. Yeah. And neither party has a has a monopoly on on the kingdom, you know. Wait, what? Wait, what? Oh, oh, (laughs) no, they don't. So, um, yeah. You're, you're going to be not conservative or not liberal enough, or you're going to be too, or, you know, it's, you're, yeah. Well, and like I would say this, the kingdom, in the kingdom, God calls us to care for the poor as well as love those who are rich. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> now what do you do? How do you, you press know? that so, into one party perspective or, or, or the why? other? Right. But, but I think it comes down, I mean, from my end, is looking at how do we care well for people? Mm-hmm. I mean, is really what it comes down to is um, that that one one's biblical or theological perspective can be a whole range. I mean, a whole range we could there, but it still doesn't remove us from caring well for people. It'll shape how we believe it, what it means to care well for people. Yeah. Yep. You know, on on one end of the spectrum, and I'm trying to avoid the use of conservative and liberal because I sure. don't find them helpful titles. Right. Yeah, but on one of the end of the end of the spectrum, it could be that really caring well for people is just affirming whatever they want to be affirmed. Um, on the other end of of caring well for people is, um, in, in at least our tradition, is that we believe that God's grace transforms people over time on God's timing. And so we care well for them by praying with them, walking with them, bringing the gospel to bear on their lives, um, and but doing it in a way that is respectful, that is patient, that is kind, that is generous. Um, and that looks really messy, but both sides look messy, and they end up in very different places. Yeah. yeah. And yet what's intriguing to me is that even within our tradition, we we have a hard time having a reasonable discussion about these things. Yeah, that sure. we immediately fall into camps, and and when we fall into camps, those lines are drawn, and we quit listening to each other. Yeah. What's What's interesting about what you're saying, Darwin, is uh, so when I was working for the suspension program in Study Hub, we had mm-hmm. classic historical um, positions. We had a a sheet in history to go yeah. through and oh, walk teacher, through. And okay. well, students, there were well yeah. over 20 different positions and they're more of the classical positions yeah. today. It, it's a little different, but um, my son, Sam, you know, you guys know him. He loves politics, right? He's, he is keeping spreadsheets of uh, school districts. If you want to know how long, I mean, it's, he's a beautiful mind, <laughs> but uh, so one of the things I did, cause he's excited to vote, 
He's 17 this week oh. um, as our recording, right? He's, he's going to be able to vote in the next presidential election. He's already excited to do that. And so we walked through all of those. And I just said, why don't you take this list? And I, I want you just to put a check mark by which one do you agree with more than the other? And the, and the thing was, he brought it back and he was equally split straight down the line. And I asked him, <laughs> so what is, it, what is it about? What was your biggest criteria? And he said, it's how we treat people. Mm-hmm. He looked at every issue and he made his decisions based on how we and how our faith, which I was really proud of him to see faith working out in him, but how are we called to treat people? And, and it, yeah, it all of a sudden put him into this position. I'm like, so yeah, according right. to this, you wouldn't classically be a Democrat or a Republican. And I said, doesn't mean that you're not going to vote for one or you might vote for the other. That's fine. Um, but this is why we need to think through these issues. So yeah, that, yeah. that was, that was pretty cool. Um, so when we dive into, um, politics too, we can kind of run into this interesting um, line, if there's a line, of patriotism, right? You know, uh, we love our country, or nationalism, we really love our country. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of wondering to you what what the difference of those are, if they are different, patriotism and nationalism. Is there is there something there as we, especially as Christians, again, I'm, I want to want to keep framing that in our conversation. I I think for me there is, and it goes back to this thing about ordered loves, the the priorities. Politics is important, absolutely, but it's not ultimate. And being an American for me is important. I'm thankful, but it's not the ultimate thing. Um, What would it mean for a, a Chinese person to be patriotic? For instance, there's an interesting question. You begin to put it in a different context. Sure. Could they be? Yeah. Um, but it's it's about that ordered and and level of priorities that if I take the things for which I can be thankful, even the things I want to change, if I raise those to ultimate, then that becomes closer and closer to an idolatry and that sort of thing. So it's okay. it's an appreciation uh, of the things that God and sovereignty is. Um, made me a part of, uh, but God can also critique those things. Others can have things that they love. It's it's the the ordered loves. So, would nationalism be a form of idolatry? Then, I, in your, I, I, in in the way I'm thinking of it, I think it could get to that. Okay, when it's the ultimate thing. Yeah, we've crossed a different line. Okay, and that that I think would be dangerous. Sure. And and chose. As he looks at people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some of these interesting historical examples, talks about that. Yeah, folks have struggled with that. What does it mean to be thankful for the heritage that we have, how it shaped me, but also to realize that it's just one of many, and and that there's something greater than this. So that would be my thinking with this thing that patriotism is a, is to be appreciated and celebrated, but in its place rather than ultimate. Well, and that takes me back to Darwin, uh, it, some of the posture and, and again, yeah. kind of the relationships. JB mentioned that too earlier of going, um, the difference between being, a, for me, if I could 
identify the difference mm-hmm. between patriotism and nationalism is when your posture changes from one of, you know, patriotism is going, yeah, we're, we're grateful. Fourth of July, you know, we celebrate, we're thankful. thankful. We're thankful for freedoms. We're thankful for those who have served our country, who continue yep. to, who serve our communities. Um, but when it becomes nationalism, uh, then you start to see people going to war with each other in some ways. The posture seems to change in my, in my mind of mm-hmm. when the disagreements, right? The, now it's okay to be a jerk, right? <laughs> because my, this position it's is so the idolatry, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where we go, wait a second. Um, I'm going to start to bow down to that versus remembering who I am in Christ. <laughs> um, coming back to that piece to say, wait a second, I, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. This is a position it's not the only position. What can I do? What can I learn from? So I think that, yeah. So for me, patriotism, I, I begin with understanding my, our ultimate allegiance as Christians is to the kingdom of God. And, yeah. and, and patriotism is basically respect for those in authority and thankful for the ways that they've worked for the common good. Okay, sure. So a pretty simple definition, I think, of patriotism. Nationalism, I, I agree, is a, is a kind of... It moves beyond that to where it becomes ultimate. Yeah. I think some within our own tradition have been guilty of nationalism, um, but I think political parties also become very can become guilty of of nationalism. Sure, sure. And and once nationalism kicks in, that the ability to have discourse and actually work for the common good um, becomes very very difficult. It almost becomes my understanding of the common good is the understanding of the common right. good. And my right. goal is to bring, to beat everyone else into submission. Yeah. Um, I do think it's an important, and and he doesn't go into it in the in the book that much, but as, as Christians who are trying to live out our faith faithfully, there may become times that, that we run afoul of, of the political structures. Right. And the political structure seeks to impose their will upon us. And I think it's at that point that we have to, as Christians, we just sometimes have to say, you're right, and I willingly accept the punishment because that pales in comparison to what it means to compromise my faith. Sure. Yeah, there's a pastor that I've followed for years, a Chinese former lawyer who then became a pastor and is now imprisoned. And he works this better than anyone I've seen in in my lifetime. And I could read extended quotes. But imagine a Chinese pastor from prison writing, the calling that I have received requires me to use nonviolent methods to disobey those human laws and disobey the Bible and that the laws that disobey the Bible and God. My Savior Christ always also requires me to joyfully bear all costs for disobeying wicked laws. I mean, it's interesting for me yeah. in a different political context. This guy lives out that same gospel in a way that may challenge us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, we've mentioned right. him, and Cho uh, mentions him as well. As I think about nationalism, too, I, I think something that we see is political discourse becomes about um, saving the country. You know, um, it's sure. about sure. preserving or saving or whatever we, we believe and. Worship, you know, I mean, like yep. those are some things that that differentiate. We're, you know, we're about people, 
Um, and as, as people of the kingdom, you know, we're about people and souls and, and I think that's a good transition into our kind of our last conversation and mentioned a few minutes back that, yeah, we're going to relationships, right? The importance of relationships and Darwin, you, I mean, you hit it right off the bat in our conversation, but whether it's politics, I mean, Cho talks a ton in this book about the importance of relationships, um, but politics, social issues, you know, theology, you name it. Why is it so important then to be in relationship with people who are both similar and dissimilar to you in your perspectives? Why is the relationship so important? To learn and to be clarified. I mean, I uh, people who are different than me help me see a different perspective. I may not always agree but I can rise to what Tim Keller calls the level of disagreement. I now understand and see, even if I disagree, in a fresh new way. I would, I would concur. I mean, I think it helps us to understand. Um, we can, um, for those who differ, there's an appreciation on the part of both of, of why we hold the convictions we hold um, and what it means to um, – to walk, to relationally walk through those convictions, it's not often. It's it's not easy. Um, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes emotional and spiritual resources. Um, it means slowing down. <laughs> take time to actually listen well and to, to ask good questions. Um, in our our crazy kind of fast paced culture. It doesn't seem to be something that we value all that much. Sure, um, we we value the quip that strikes our ear. So it it, it was pretty, um, you know, it was interesting to me um, having come off of for those of you know it is synod in our discussion, and um and following synod, um, I was looking at um at Twitter. Oh dear, <laughs> and and I just. I'm looking at this, and my wife is looking at it, and like this is toxic. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. In other words, if why I'm I'm beginning to ask myself as Christians, why if we value these relational components, these conversations, do we continue to step into environments that are toxic and actually work against it? Yeah, I, and that's just. A yeah. good, I think is a good question. I don't know that it advances anybody's well, right. cause when those things break down. Well, and that's why being in a relationship is so critical. Because right. when you are in relationships with people that you disagree with, you realize that most people don't fit the caricature that the other side <laughs> paints of them. Right. And right. Twitter is filled with the caricature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because when it's about winning. When, and it's about winning, then it is your prerogative to paint the other side as evil and awful as possible. And Twitter is filled with that. But when you yeah. step into relationship, you're like, oh, maybe that's not exactly how they view this particular issue. It, it humanizes it. Yeah. Right. It dignifies yeah. or, I mean, we can get along with this and not along with that. I mean, just because they yeah. pull for the Packers, that's no reason to not <laughs> – cons- or the Bears. 
That's no reason. Oh, no, no, no. Now you're we're my... across the bar. Yeah. Oh, notice he didn't include the Miami Dolphins in that. <laughs> They're no threat. Who are they? <laughs> 1972? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good. 72 was a good year. <laughs> Actually, it was. It's that's... still the only ones to claim undefeated all the way through. That's right. <laughs> I, I think with with that too, I mean, I it goes back to a posture of do I really do I need you or don't I need you? Mm-hmm. And I don't it, for me, I can only speak for me. I can only speak for the what I believe the scripture says, and and that's we're in a position where we need each other, right? Right. And even if I disagree with you, even if you are so far on the other end of the spectrum. It doesn't mean that there isn't something I can learn from you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you may not open up a different part of the perspective in how we live this out together versus whether or not we agree. Right. Um, I mean, that's lived within my own family. My sister right. and I are both ordained pastors. We both have differing opinions on on the spectrum of some social issues. However, I have become a better person because of her perspectives as I've listened to understand what's at her heart. And I believe the same is she, she would, if she were sitting with us too, I mean, I don't want to speak for her cause I, she's my <laughs> older sister and she'll smack me. <laughs> and right, and rightly so. Right. Rightly so. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I think we, for me, that's always been, if we can do this together, why can't, why can't, we elsewhere you know and that's but that i've got to believe i have to keep living out the discipline of saying i need you i need what you have to say i need your perspective because i am not the the penultimate i am not Mm -hmm. you know my party isn't the only position and the kingdom of god brings a humility Mm -hmm. that says i need you right you know i mean in ministry together the four of us like I need you guys, mm-hmm. you know, to do ministry. I need right. your input. I need your your flavor. You know how you, you know, every week we we put sermons together and we we talk about this, right? You know, of just you push me, not because of competition, but because of who you are and the differences. And and man, that we become way more creative as a people, right. which is, I think, fundamental to the kingdom of God as well. It gets back to the beginning and the creativity of God when we go, man, let's, let's let our differences come to the table and see what the Spirit can make of these things. There was a, a cool, uh, um, I believe it was in chapter two or three, um, but uh, Eugene Cho was just—he uh, was talking. He had talked with Jim Daly, who's the newer, the newest um, yeah. director of Focus on the Family. Sure. Um, and even Focus on the Family, you say that, and that will spark <laughs> all kinds of political understandings, right? Um, but Jim Daly had two really good questions, I think, for relationship um, that are that are just worth repeating. Um, I, I I read this in a in a Kindle format, so I don't have a. Um, but it says, one, help me understand what you believe. So these are two questions fundamental to Christians coming in any dialogue. You know, help me understand what you believe. And then two, what brought you to those conclusions? And those questions just, again, kind of 
brought me back to Darwin, what you said earlier in our conversation too of, you know, it's, uh, who are you? Tell me, I, I want to know more of you. And, and that, those seem to lead me to getting to know you more than simply a position. Um, so. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think one of the, the, the one thing that jumped out of the book is a, Quote from from Russell Moore in okay. here, yeah. and as I think about this, as I read this, it just really struck with me. Um, the first step to cultural influence is not to contextualize to the present, but to contextualize to the future, and the future is awfully strange even to us. So, his concern there relationally, and I think. I think relationally, and this really helps in conversation, is helping people to think through the, the implications of their positions. Yeah. So you, you can say this right now, but what about five years down the line? What about seven years down the line? Where, where, where might this take us? And is that really, is that really where we want to go? Yeah. Or if, if this is the kind of people we want to become, does this really help us become those kind of people? Or does it, for whatever reason, shape us in a way that we actually don't want to be shaped? Um, you know, and I think back in, in my my limited experience, but uh, but some experience, I, I admit, um, with the social service safety net and Medicare, and and watching um, Medicare and Medicaid provide incredibly um, valuable resources um, to people in poverty. Okay, wonderful, wonderful program. I'm not not critiquing at all, but the interesting thing is, is there's you're either on it or you're off it. And so, for those families that are trying to be responsible, who are trying to get, who are deeply appreciative of the net, but who don't want to be in the net all their lives, um, are stuck because once they move beyond a certain income level, the net's removed. It's not removed partially. It's not removed step by step by step. It's just removed. And so they have this huge jump to make, which many of them can never make. And so part of what Russell's getting at is as we think about these things, conceptualize the future. What is this? Is this actually going to serve people well, maybe for the short term, but does it serve it well for the long term? I think it's a great question for us as a church. Sure. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, um, any other last thoughts? I mean, on on the book, is it recommended reading? Um, JB, you brought. I saw. I see you've got another. Just and and this isn't a, a next book for a current podcast, but who knows? Maybe later. <laughs> as we were, as I was reading this, Andy Stanley put put one out. I haven't read it, so I, I can't okay. say much about it. <laughs> there, there's the danger. <laughs> Not in it to win it, so I'm just. Yeah. was a similar yeah. flavor, it seemed. Yeah, so. yeah I, I thought this book was very helpful and um, would be happy to recommend it to people. Yeah. It was a very straightforward read, yeah. almost kind of practical advice, good reflection, kind of help you get centered again and thinking about some of these issues in helpful ways. It wasn't yeah. particularly new ground or deep ground or radical ground. It was just, you know, a friend helping you think through a tough thing. Yeah. Easy to read. Good to read, I guess I'd say. 
Yeah, I um, I read through it and I walked away saying, "Okay, uh, when I feel the jerk coming on, <laughs> um, I need to breathe deep. Right. I need yeah. to pause, and I need to figure out how to ask a really good question. Yeah. yeah. And not yeah. just react. Right. Yeah. Um, which means hopefully I'll be a little bit less of a jerk less often. Yeah, because he he shared a story of him playing basketball yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know the wannabe NBA star and how he lost the yeah. credibility of somebody right. who had started who had some came to the yeah. to the to the game through a connection to their church, but wasn't you know and and again just that ability to to stop to think to pause so important because our witness is. Less, I mean, yes, people will listen to what we say, but how we say it continues to bear so much weight. Who we are in this world matters. So, and, and I have to remind myself that when I am a jerk and people applaud me for being a jerk, mm-hmm. that phrase is very, very hollow. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. not a good thing. It's not it? what we're looking for. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks again um, for those listening. Uh, Thou shalt not be a jerk by Eugene Cho. Um, yeah, I had a little Kindle. I had did some Kindle reading of it and also listened to it. And I'm, I'm starting to, I really enjoyed actually just listening to this yeah, book. It would this listen was a, well. It, it would listen yeah, well. Yeah, really easy listen. So, um, listen better than it read. So, mm-hmm. hey, Maybe. I don't know. I liked how it read. So, well, I mean, but, 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 you know. Uh, our next book uh, is Mere Christianity. I'm going to toss it to JB because, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, each of us was kind of picking a book that was formative. And um, I, I just thought of, and I haven't read in a while, so it'll be fun to, to reread it. Um, but it was like, I think I was in high school, and it was like the first theological book uh, that I ever picked up and, and read. And, and, I, and I loved it. I just I was like, oh man, this is just opening ideas and thoughts and understanding in a way that uh, um, that I hadn't experienced before. And so I, I think in many ways, although I have to think through this, but I think it kind of put me on a, a trajectory toward theology. And so anyway, yeah, <laughs> so don't read it if you don't want to go. <laughs> well, it, it might not be for everyone, you know. It, it might not do that for everyone, but uh, it did that for me. So oh, that's it's awesome. It's a classic for. book, and it had tremendous influence. Even though it was written what in the forties, it yeah. all through the t- last half of the twentieth century, yeah. Yeah. life after life after life after life. After a while, you think, "Whoa! If that person was influenced, I need to read this book." Yep. Yeah, and I had to read it really slow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. Um, but with that, um, I'm Aaron, and I'm Bill. I'm JB. I'm Darwin. And thanks for listening today. God bless.